You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Now, you just have to do something else. And I didn't know what that something else was going to be. Like, well, what are you obsessed with? You're obsessed with the guitars. Is that an industry that pays people sometimes? Like, yeah, it's not the most lucrative field, but yeah, it seems like people can pay their bills in that that business. So let's let's figure out a way to get in there. And, you know, when I was starting the podcast, a lot of people's were they were very confused, not necessarily the people who first started listening, but friends and family. A lot of people were like, well, why don't you just start a guitar store? And I was like, oh, yeah, just start a guitar store. And they didn't realize that they just that was their only real connection to it. They didn't really think about being able to build a product for the store or being able to be a media company or something around it. They didn't really understand it. That was just their only connection to it was they drive by and they see a guitar store. So they know that exists. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound, Talent, Media, and Evergreen Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. Hope you had a killer weekend. I most certainly did. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal are Montreal's premier metal promoter. And if you are ever in Montreal and you are looking for a great show to go to, well, trust me, Heavy Montreal will have you covered. They put on a bunch of amazing gigs all year long. So trust me, if you're looking for something cool to do when you're visiting Montreal, Heavy Montreal will have you covered. And beyond stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hops Metal podcast. Are you in a band? Would you love to have your band song featured in an upcoming Vox and Hops episode? If that would be the case, then you should definitely send me a message, write me an email. You can do that by hitting up Matt at VoxenHops.com. That's M-A-T-T at V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. Send me a message and I will hook you up and I will tell you all about being a part of the Vox and Hops Artist Spotlight segment. I love doing this. I love shining some light on killer bands. If you're in a band, you're launching a brand new song, you want to get a little bit more exposure for it, well, the Vox and Hops Artist Spotlight is there for for you to do exactly that. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I would love it if you were to tell one of your friends about the podcast. If there's someone in your life that just loves podcasts, well, you should definitely let them know that the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast exists. You can tell them that there are over 400 episodes where I sit down with some of the world's best metal musicians to talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you would encourage one of your podcast-loving friends to become a brand new Vox and Hops head, that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now, today on the podcast, I'm very stoked to be with Blake Wyland of the Tone Mob. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops episode number 417. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm very stoked to be with Blake Wyland of the Tone Mob. Um, runs a website, a killer podcast, uh, just celebrated its eighth anniversary. Um, you know, you're twice as old as Vox and Hops. I think that's super <laughs> cool. Uh, you have a very prominent social media presence. Uh, Blake, how you doing? Good. How are you doing? Glad to be here. Very cool. The Tone Mob is a very cool something that you've built, you know? So, so what I've tried to do, or what I am trying to do with the podcast with Vox and Hops was just a side hustle to keep me busy. Uh, as I saw my bandmates were going to be super, super busy. So I started talking to fellow metal musicians and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we ended up on the same podcast network, Sound Talent Media. And that's uh, really how I sort of stumbled upon the Tone Mob and I've become a fan. So, so simple, 
How you doing? How's 2023? Let's start with that. Oh, man. Well, similarly, that's how I found you. And I've been going through the back episodes as uh, somebody. I don't know if I could be considered a metal musician or not, but I'm definitely a fan of heavier music, as my listeners are very aware, uh, especially nice. if you look at the the list of recent guests. It becomes pretty apparent, I think. Uh, but yeah, 2023 is going great. It's been really a whirlwind since Nam, and it's oh, so, yeah. sort of related sometimes, but mostly just coincidental. It's just, ever since Nam happened, it's been like meeting after meeting after podcast after podcast after thing after Good thing. And so I'm just like, I'm so stoked on that, but it's not leaving me as much time for my uh, extracurricular activities as I would hope. But that's okay. It's all related. That's, at the a, end of that's the day. a good hustle, though. That's a, and it's interesting that that going to Nam and having that experience really opened up some doors for you because it's really people always ask me like, how do you do it? How do you be successful? And it, there's no like one recipe, but like having something that you've built, something concrete, and then going and making those connections with people and having that right place, right time situation is is it's like a magic soup. That, that <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's no way that like. Why is sleep token popular? You know, exactly. Like there's no, mm-hmm. it's right place, right time, right connections. And that's exactly what you're demonstrating all the success that's coming right now through what happened at NAM. those connections. Well, a lot of it's for me has been just like, just keep going, just keep throwing things out there. Keep trying different things, keep doing different things, keep saying hi to different people because mm-hmm. some of them mean something and some of them end up just like, Oh, that was a nice that was a nice lunch I had, you know, and that's fine. Yes. If that's the worst thing that happens is you had a nice cheeseburger with somebody, then cool. <laughs> <laughs> so for- sometimes not everything has to be something. So, so, and, and who knows what, you know, you plant a seed now, some seeds grow faster than others. So hypothetically that cheeseburger might grow into something much bigger later on than the little tree would have grown in immediately. And that's happened. I don't even know how many times at this point, somebody I met that I thought was, you know, they were cool, but tangentially just kind of like, all right, that was a nice meeting. And then later they come to be very important. I mean, for instance, they move companies hypothetically or yeah, the biggest one was for it's like with the podcast specifically was my partner, Scott Marquardt. So he's, he's uh, the founder of string joy guitar strings. And, and now he came on the podcast on episode 20 and we hit it off like immediately became really good friends. And now I mean, it was like nine months later, I became a partner in the company. It was still tiny at the time. It's still tiny in the grand scheme of things, but uh, it uh, it's grown a lot. And that's become a major part of what I do every day is working on things with that company. I spend anywhere from 30 minutes to, you know, four and a half hours on the phone with Scott sorting through one thing or another. <laughs> so it's- it's Serendipitous. It's just unbelievable. The connections that we've made through the podcast i got cryptopsy just signed to nuclear blast so that's cool. directly linked to a vox and hops episode how did that happen i was hanging out with charles i had him on the podcast from abysmal dawn and then you know we drank a nice big stout together mm-hmm. uh backstage at the i think it's called 1720 in la and uh he just kept hanging out and then by the end of the night he was like you know what I think I'm going to offer you guys a deal. <laughs> so, <laughs> You're like, all right. It's interesting. It took many years to make it happen, but uh, that was in 2019. Mm-hmm. So I'm stoked that it's happening now. So cool. Vox and Hops is all about hanging with my metal friends, talking about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. Uh, what are you drinking on your side today, Blake, that we'll be sharing virtually? All right. Well, it's a little bit of a thing. So today I'm headed to a deadlift session. So what I'm actually nice. drinking is a protein shake. But what I 
I'm going to be drinking after the deadlift session. Uh, and because it's like 10 a.m. my time right now. So, yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> is uh, Bind by Anchorage Brewing. Um, Anchorage rules. Yeah. I was first drawn to the, that company actually by the artwork on their bottles. I just was like, man, mm. this is so killer. Just I don't remember which one it was at first, but the artwork is always so awesome. This one's got like two ladies who are also birds um, with like crossed arrows behind them. And it's just done in a way that really speaks to me. But this is a. They call it a mixed culture ale. Um, so they fermented and aged it in Missouri Missouri oak barrels and then finished on a hand-picked wild Alaska blueberries and hascap berries, which I'm not sure what a hascap is. but uh, hascap, What do we call that here? Uh, uh, hascap, I think it's also sea buckthorn. It could also be okay. called that. It's those little uh, orange berries that grow oh, yeah. very prominently actually here in Quebec area. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, I, I got really into like weird soury beers from a, a brewery here semi-locally to me called uh, the Ale Apothecary, which was literally this one dude, and it still might be one dude, I'm not sure, but he he literally was fermenting things in a log <laughs> like at his house. Oh, shit. <laughs> open, open mixed fermentation, yep. open fermentation yeah, where would... the pollen comes in. If people don't know what this is there, it's very popular in Belgium, uh, Cancion does it and it's basically like they just keep it open and then whatever pollen or stuff falls in is the yeast that makes it ferment it's actually makes it funky and wild and it's it was always just the most interesting stuff because i got into this it's kind of a weird thing like i got into craft beer you know i didn't really have i mean not this isn't entirely true but i didn't have that phase that a lot of people go through growing up in the pacific northwest and being the age that i am you know the beers that we got snuck as kids were Widmer Hefeweizen, you know, <laughs> so which is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's like, that's, a, that's a high level right there yeah. compared to what we were drinking here in Montreal. That's for sure. Yeah. We, so I had like Widmer Hefeweizen and uh, Blue Boar, which is a little, uh, Henry Weinhardt's is not made anymore. Um, and things like that were what was like I could grab out of the kitchen without people noticing. Wow. Yeah. I, see, I, I joke about that with my craft beer friends like that our kids are going to sneak some killer goddamn beer the first year <laughs> and they're and they're not going to appreciate it right because the first it's like metal the first time you hear extreme music it's it's too much most of the time it's it's it's, it's a you need to acclimate your palate to craft beer and extreme music so i, think so. I always joke that my kids are not going to like this amazing beer this because i'm not it's going to be something special you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're going to pour you some you know saint bernardus or something for your very first beer yeah yes. yeah <laughs> <laughs> on my side i have two amazing beers here i'm not i'm torn on which one i'm gonna drink they were sent to me by alex bates massive cheers to alex uh he made a collab for an amazing guitar driven band so it's perfect for you nice when i received them i was like fuck yes so these are beers that he made for polyphia oh which yeah. is uh pretty fucking cool from celestial down in texas uh, this is a black ipa with orange i want to say um I want to say that is correct. A Black India IPA with blood orange, which Very is nice. super sick. And then the other is just a pilsner mm -hmm. called Paradiso, I believe. An American pilsner. So I'm torn. I, I sort of want to drink the black IPA, so I'm just going to do it. Okay. Uh, so obviously it's, it's perfect to be with you, you know, such a guitar driven band, um, very popular on social media. Mm -hmm. Definitely up your alley, so so uh, it makes sense to me. And uh, cheers to uh, the people at Vector that introduced me to Alex. And 
there's breweries here in Quebec that are collabing with Celestial right now. Cool. I'm going to pour this out, but I'd love to hear. Um, take me back to that first beer that you snuck from your, your parents' house. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, do you remember that experience? Uh, what was that day like? Uh, so, you know, I can't remember that first. You know, I didn't have to sneak too much to get like that taste. Dad would be like, you want to taste? I'd be like, yeah, you know. Um, so I'm sure I snuck one from him at some point. I can't remember that specifically, but something that you'll probably find more funny slash interesting is, uh, I've told the story a couple times on the podcast. Cheers. It's got some great foam on it. I love it. Ooh. But, um, I worked at a, a asphalt construction company and okay. it had a lot of us, um, you know, kind of older teenagers working there. I believe, I think I was like. 18 at the time I started there when I was 16, but I think I was 18 when this happened and they'd had a company golf tournament. And so they, we all went to this golf tournament and all of us older teenagers, maybe five of us kind of went in two golf carts together and we're just horsing around having a good time. Super fun. Yeah. Just like, (laughs) woo, you know, and the drink cart lady comes around and she was like, what do you guys want to drink? And so we're like, let's try, let's ask. We we didn't. So this is the great part. We were like, oh, what do you have? And she goes, oh, we got Pepsi, Sprite, whatever. And like goes through the list of of soft drinks. And then she doesn't stop. She's like, and we got Bud Light. We got Miller Light. We got Coors Light. We got Widmer Brothers, Hefeweizen. We got Blue Boar. We got like, and we were like, I think we kind of looked at each other. Like, you think we can pull this off? And I was just, I was just like, yeah, give me a Hefeweizen. She's like, sure, here you go. And so we all just grabbed beers. And then it made the golf tournament uh, much better. The awkward part was one of the guy's dads was like a higher up there. So we did oh, have shit. to like keep a, kind of an eye out. Like, where's he at? Where's he at? Where's he at? Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was like my first uh, memorable illicit beer experience, I would say. I love all sports that you can drink through, obviously. Of course. Golfing. I haven't golfed in a long time, but I do enjoy golfing, bowling. Bowling, yes. Pool, darts. (laughs) (laughs) These are my sports. Sports that I enjoy because... (laughs) Podcasting. some breaks. Podcasting. Yeah, that gets sloppy, though. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's there's evidence afterwards, (laughs) (laughs) which is dangerous Um, (laughs) from experience. Yes. Uh, (laughs) I'd love to hear about the soundtrack of your youth when you were growing up in your parents' or guardian's house. What music was playing when you were not in control of the music? Oh, yeah. music did your parents or gardens listen to yeah that was a lot of old school country you know, a lot of waylon jennings oh, yeah. a lot of merle haggard a lot of things like that and then also of course because the age i was there's a lot of 90s stuff in in there as well george Strait, of course he got started in the 80s but you know george Strait was a big one garth brooks was something that was a my dad wasn't as big of a fan of but my mom was so that was a big part of my it. dad loved that yeah thunder rolls whatever that cd was yeah i remember a summer vacation driving I want to say in Manitoulin Island, I could be wrong there, but I feel like the timing just lines up perfectly Mm -hmm. and having him just rip that probably cassette tape in the car the whole trip. Absolutely. And we went and see it. We went and saw Hocus Pocus. The timing makes sense. I think this is really lining up. I think this makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) We went and saw Hocus Pocus in the theaters at Manitoulin Island, in Manitoulin Island, which is this weird island off of in Ontario. This pencils. This all makes sense. Yeah, the, How you, what would be the first band that you brought into the house and your parents' reaction to it? Uh, okay, I'll, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Waylon Jennings. That's probably the biggest influence and biggest one that I listened to with my dad was would, would be Waylon for sure. And that's continued. That never that love never never faded. 
But um, as far as, yeah, the first music I brought into is it was probably some pop punk stuff. But the first stuff that was more in the vein of this podcast that sort of raised some eyebrows a little bit. My parents were very cool. You know, they they kind of gave me enough rope to hang myself. They didn't let me just go do whatever I wanted, but they they let me explore and find my own way. Uh, they were very kind. They would let me set up a full drum kit in our 1200 nice. square foot house yeah. and just same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just go to town, listen to system. I had the jam room. My, my band jammed in my bedroom. Uh, yeah. You get it. You get it. And my yeah. mom somehow just put up with it. And even though I was horrible, but. Yeah, it was good times. But the first one that I remember them being kind of like, how everything cool? You all right? Was was unearth the oncoming storm. Nice. I'm going to hang out with Trevor on Thursday. Oh, perfect. Awesome. Totally. Totally doing that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. He's coming here with uh, the halo effect. I'm going to hang out with them too. Awesome. They're all alumni. It's going to be amazing. That's so cool. Yeah. But yeah, that was the first one that I discovered on my own uh, that just was like, this is heavy whoa yeah like what but is i remember this? that cd mm-hmm. yeah i had that cd too it's a great album it still holds up so well and my mom heard me listening to that through the through the door and was just you know she had to she had to make sure everything was all right <laughs> <laughs> well it is it's, it's a, you, you want your kids to to get stuff out of them right so whatever lets the emotions out and they're expressing themselves i think that's important and whether it be drums or um, kids rapping nowadays or whatever you know, a child or anyone, a human mm-hmm. that keeps stuff in is going to explode. So, so yep. you need to find that release, that output, that, that exit of these emotions, especially as teenagers, because there's so much goddamn shit going on in our minds. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and that was the healthiest way I could do it was going to shows oh, yeah. and going crazy. That was just, the, that was my favorite thing to do. Still is one of my favorite things to do, but, uh, Never left. Right on track with the next one is um, your first show. Do you remember the first show you ever went to go see? Hmm. I, I believe my first concert ever was a country show with my family. And that would have been, I don't remember exactly what year, but I know it was called Country Fest. And then it was put on by the local uh, country radio station. And I remember Randy Travis was headlining. So yes. not a bad, not a bad first entry point. I had a drunk Damn redneck right try to steal my hat that I was trying to get the morning DJ to sit, sign and some other guy got it from him. It was a really weird like introduction to festival behavior. Uh, <laughs> interesting. But what, that, that's interesting that you wanted the morning DJ to sign your hat. And then here we you now you're a podcaster. I, it was just I every morning I'm driving <laughs> to school. My mom's, you know, got Lee and Susan in the waking crew on the uh, yeah. on the radio. And I thought that'd be cool. He's up there signing stuff and they would literally have to go throw things up and they would sign them and throw them back down. And uh, I got it up there. I don't remember how old I was, probably like 11. And this other guy was kind of hammered, was like, hey, can I have a hat? And they didn't know whose hat it was. Oh, yeah. And so they thought he was asking for his hat. So they tried to throw it to the guy and this other guy intercepted it because he saw me do it and then handed it to me and he was like hey that was my hat he's like no that was this kid's hat he threw it up there type of thing good for that guy (laughs) (laughs) you know free hat's a free hat though that's true yeah i would have been pretty bummed like a good hat yeah i'm a hat man myself (laughs) Um, oh totally yeah but yeah that was the first concert i was taken to that i can remember but the first concert that i went to that would be in the heavier side of things and my listeners will not be surprised at this at all would have been uh, thrice. Uh, yes, and, I love them actually. Yeah, they're coming here soon with 
the Holy Font. Yeah. And I also I like that uh, very much. Holy yeah. Font is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool band. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they, I'm going to hunt them down. They became my favorite. Hunt them. <laughs> <laughs> hunt the Font down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thrice became my favorite band and that never that never left. Probably because mm. they really evolved and probably helped evolve my taste as they continued on. So I caught them on Artists in the Ambulance tour and then just became a massive fan from them then. And now they're coming on a 20th anniversary Artists in the Ambulance tour. So that's exactly. Yeah, that's that's the tour. That's so cool. Yeah, It is a full circle thing, too, because now I've become friends with Ed and it's just like, whoa. Awesome. This is, Isn't that cool? Yeah. That's what the podcast is all about. <laughs> I'm lucky because I'm like behind the curtain already. They're like the, my first hundred episodes were just my friends. So that's incredible. But Thursday I was like hanging out with David Ellison and that's something that I would have never imagined doing when I started the podcast or back in the day. Cause I was very shy. Right. So, so it took me a long time to the podcast has really helped me just have conversations with people Perfect. and, and build, build my confidence and listen. I was always very good at listening, but, but not being nervous when speaking, that was something I would do interviews in the past and I would talk and then I'd be like, Oh my God, what am I saying mm-hmm. in my mind? You know, <laughs> <laughs> does that make sense what I'm saying at this exact moment? I'm still talking now. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> Why am I still talking? What are these words? Why am I still talking? <laughs> what was the question? Yeah. <laughs> and I think maybe a part of it is the comfort of it is doing so many interviews and then knowing now that i have complete control when i edit (laughs) that's a lot of it it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if i fuck up (laughs) i'm a talker and always have been i was even doing little like quote-unquote radio shows on cassette players and stuff back in the day and i did that too (laughs) yeah so you know kind of full circle right so i've always been into it but i remember my first few episodes especially i think once i got to episode 20 i was feeling pretty good but the first 10 i was definitely ooh. You know, and by episode seven, I was interviewing a guy named Robert Keeley, who if you're into gear, you probably guitar gear. You've probably heard that name before. Really popular in the boutique pedal world. And, you know, he just opened up and started spilling his guts about his drug addiction and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, well, I'm not sure what to do. What do I do? Where's the gear? Let's talk about the gear. Yeah. But I just learned to (laughs) lean into it. If the guest wants to talk about that, then that's what we're going to talk about. And don't try Mm -hmm. to steer it too too hard unless it needs steered yeah unless it gets it's getting dark and weird yeah I mean, even if it's getting dark and weird i'll i'll go with that but sometimes you know sometimes people are like finish their thought and that's it and then you have to uh, yeah grab the wheel and point it in whatever direction yeah. you go uh talk to me about podcasting so so as, as a kid recording your own fake radio shows uh-huh. looking up to radio hosts when you're 11 trying to get uh your hat signed uh at what point did podcasting become such a big thing you're definitely way before me uh podcasting probably took off what 2012 2011 um just exponentially going 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 you started in 2015 what's your origin story is what i'm going for here yeah so i found podcasting probably about that same time as as all of us ogs i guess so, so to speak but um you know it's way older than i think most people give it or are aware that it is you know it came around i think in the very early 2000s that were the very first iterations of this thing but obviously Interesting. obviously nobody was really listening then but the the idea of an rss feed and all that was i think birthed around that time but the first person i ever heard about doing it was adam carolla you know he was on the radio and i listened to that again in the mornings driving to work and once he was off the radio, I heard he was doing a podcast. What's a podcast? I asked myself, yeah. you know, and so I would download these episodes to my iPod 
And, you know, that was my first introduction to it. And it was very clear that people were actually downloading these and actually listening to them. And I had friends that were doing the same. So you could like talk about it. Uh, I grew out of that show, you know, as soon as I discovered other things that were less morning radio format, I realized like as much as that introduced me complete freedom. Yeah. yeah. Just where you could just go and just have long form conversations. And there were stories, there were, there were music podcasts, there were all kinds of things. I really realized that that's what I liked. And this is um, probably 2013, 2014, when I started having the idea of doing something in the guitar space, because that's something that I was really passionate about. And in 2014, you, you were already working in the guitar because you started off as a drummer. I know that. And then guitar became a big part of your life. You have a terrible drummer, ter ter terrible drummer. <laughs> I'm a pretty bad drummer, too. <laughs> Switch switched to guitar rather quickly. Uh, and gu guitar became my my first love as an instrument. I don't know. It's probably 14. And then I discovered the the boutique gear world and chasing yeah. tone, you know, in my early 20s. And so I just fell in love with. Know, trying to all the different stomp boxes and like, oh, this mm. tube amps and all this stuff. I just fell in love with that whole nerdy side of playing guitar. And uh, it was like a, like a recreational, like something that you did on the side. You never jumped into the industry you are now with the strings. But absolutely. I never had any thought that I could actually be in music at all outside okay. of as a rabid consumer. And, you know, I obviously I had a band. I had bands and I did musical projects, but it was always always done with the idea of this is just for us this is okay. just because we want to do it neither none of us wanted a tour i never wanted a tour ever i hate road trips oh, yeah yeah i hate, oh, yeah. I hate okay. road trips so much like <laughs> i never wanted to yeah we're pretty good at waiting yeah is what we do <laughs> i could never do it i just was not i knew i wasn't built for touring i just knew that from a very early age i love being in the studio i love writing i love recording but to actually be in a band and make that work. I knew that wasn't going to work for, for my brain long-term as, as cool as the idea was, I just knew that uh -huh. wasn't for me. So I always just kind of regulated it to, this is going to be what I do after hours. This is what I do for fun. This is what yeah. I do because I love it. And the rabbit hole of those pedals there, I have Pavlo Hykalis, my friend, uh, he makes his own pedals and guitars, PhD. Sweet. Uh, and uh, I should get him to send you one. Now that I, I will, after when you finish all this. Um, the He's obsessed, like, and the pedal board just couldn't get any bigger, so I, I completely understand and relate with with you becoming, you know, superly enthralled with it all, and you know, trying to recreate the sound in your head, yeah, which is on your great. website is like the the motto of the tone mobs, which I think is super awesome. Yeah, that's been the whole thing the whole time. Or tried to, you know, I should probably rewrite that a little bit because now I'm all about finding new ones that I haven't heard before. So interesting. That's yeah. that's kind of the new goal, I think. <laughs> okay, interesting. So, so you're hunting, you're hunting, you're listening to these podcasts, and then you have the idea that you're going to do it. What, what was that for myself? It was my wife that pushed me to start the podcast. What would have been that, that, cause we have these ideas, but then there's that moment when you take the leap. What, what was that for you? It was that I was sitting in a convenience store slash subway parking lot outside nice. of work and realizing I'd pushed really hard to get into the job that I was in. It was a, like a really good blue collar type job and it was a very good job. I have no complaints about it, but I realized I was still kind of miserable and I was like, wow, I'm going to have to do this for another 40 years. This sucks. Yeah, I've, I've, I've done that too. Yeah. <laughs> do you do that math? You're like, 
Fuck. Yeah. Like, what have I done? You know? <laughs> but at the same time, I thought, well, you've done everything in your power to get into this position. You've, you've went to, you've taken the logical progression to get here and you've worked really hard and you've built a resume for this type of job. Now you just have to do something else. And I didn't know what that something else was going to be. Like, well, what are you obsessed with? You're obsessed with the guitars. Is that an industry that pays people sometimes? Like, yeah. It's, it's it, trust me, it's much better than, than other industries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a, it's not, it's not the most lucrative field, but yeah, it seems like people can pay their bills in that, that business. So let's, let's figure out a way to get in there. And, you know, when I was starting the podcast, a lot of people's were, they were very confused, not necessarily the people who first started listening, but friends and family. A lot of people were like, well, why don't you just start a guitar store? And I was like, oh, yeah, no, I'll just that, start a guitar store. I was like, what? Just start a guitar store. And they didn't realize that they just that was their only real connection to it. They didn't really think about being able to build a product for the store or being able to be a media company or something yes. around it. They didn't really understand it. That was just their only connection to it was they drive by and they see a guitar store. So they know that something, exists. Something, something that lives and is, is mortar and has bricks, yeah. brick and mortar versus the, the entity of, of a brand. Mm -hmm. Ex exactly. Yeah. So that, that was something like early. I, I didn't have a lot of pushing to go start this. I had actually a little bit of resistance, not, not really from my wife, but from, friends and family that were kind of outsider. They're like, I don't get it. I don't think that seems like a thing that anybody's no, going to no care one, about. No one's going to like this. Yeah. Get this, you know, like, yeah. Why are I, I had someone that asked me that they're like, when I was starting the podcast, I have a good friend whose name is PY, my wife's friend. And he, uh, he's basically an excellent devil's advocate in anything. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> one of those friends, you know, and he's not doing it to be mean. It's just the way his brain works. And he sure. was like, but why? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Who's going to listen to you? Why are they going to listen to you and not someone else mm -hmm. that already exists? You know, so that was I think that was one retention that I got. Yeah. Well, and the answer is they'll probably still listen to those people that exist, too. And yes, me. If you like podcasts, you listen to podcasts. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and well, that was a big part of it, though. I guess I kind of skipped over that. I looked at the landscape of guitar podcasts and nobody was interviewing the people I wanted to hear interviews from. There were written interviews. There were things like that in online magazines and, and print magazines, but nobody was having long form conversations with Robert Keeley or Brian Wampler or Josh Scott or any of these pedal guys that everyone was very interested in there. That just didn't exist at the time at all. Or even some of the personalities, Andy Martin's a big pedal demo person. Nobody had talked to him. I did, I think his first interview that was outside of the company he worked for. Mm -hmm. So there was just nobody doing interviews in the, in my space. So I thought, I guess I'll try to do interviews and see what Very happens. So yeah. I, I did kind of have that thought early on and was, was able to, I think, I think that's part of why I was able to work was because I was one of the first interview based. I think I was, I think I am currently, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but I have it in my Instagram bio. I think I'm the longest running interview based guitar podcast that's, that exists right now. So Hope well, to congrats on that. I just, hope you to know, continue. A leap, yeah. Doing something that you love, connecting with people that you wanted to hear, you know, just out of your own curiosity and then building it into something more and more. So it started as a podcast. The website developed. Uh, your social media presence is amazing, which is basically how this interview happened mm -hmm. because you had made some funny post, I think, about beer. And I was like, 
beer. Oh, well, we should have a chat. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like we should, we should eventually, cause we're on the same network. We should, we should hang out. Yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> uh, why do you keep doing it all? What, what, what keeps you doing the podcast? Well, I, it is my favorite thing. I produce a lot of content. I make a lot of short form videos. I do a lot of pedal demos. I make memes. I do all kinds of, all kinds of different online media things. But the podcast is my favorite still. The fact that I get to sit down with people like yourself and we're just going to sometimes we do it in person, especially now things are a little more normalized. So much more interesting. It is not that this is not interesting, but it's a change. The conversation is different. Yeah. But regardless, I still sit down with a person phones off, just looking at that person and just we're going to have a conversation, a very intentional conversation for at least an hour. And Mm -hmm. where else do you get to do that? You don't even really do that with people that like you really love and care about hardly these days. Unless always distracted. Always. There's so many distractions. Mm -hmm. So this is all the time. This is like a break back to hanging out with your friends in the pre cell phone days in in some ways. (laughs) So I feel like I I feel like I'm through the conversations that you end up becoming very intimate with people. You do. You do. You end up. I found making really not not every time. Right. But sometimes you come away like, wow, I just made a new friend. Exactly. Like an actual there's friend. a few there's a few people. I was just hanging out with one yesterday, actually, uh, a guest that I had on in the fall and he was coming up for the beer fest, uh, Mondial de la Biaire. And he's like, I'm coming. And I was like, oh, cool. I'm coming. Let's go hang out. Mm-hmm. And we went to Mondial together last night. Yeah. Super cool. Exactly. Yep. So, I mean, it's the connections for me, I think, that really keep it going. Obviously, it pays the bills now. So that that's, <laughs> that's a that's very a very cool. good, good motiv- for you. it's a good motivator to keep well, going. at what point uh, did that switch and what intentions was that something you ever imagined happening having that blue collar perfect job and being miserable starting the podcast and now the podcast paying the bills is interesting yeah i did i did think it would happen at some point just because i'd seen it happen for other people in other spaces and i'd mm-hmm. seen some people not necessarily doing the same thing that i did but people in the guitar space being able to break away with YouTube or something else and have a full-time career doing the thing that they like to do. So I knew it was possible and that, that was important. Having other examples, not being a total pioneer was, (laughs) was important uh, as far as inspiration level, but I've been, it's actually coming up on the five year anniversary of being full-time in the guitar space and in the first few years, the podcast was making a little bit of money. Not not initially, not in the first few years of its existence, but the first few years of me being full time. Uh, but the thing I was doing was taking those lessons that I had learned from trying to build the podcast and build the string brand and doing consulting work, mostly in the guitar space, but sometimes a little bit outside of it as well, in helping brands and people try to do the same thing. And so that was where a lot of the income came from for the first couple of years when I first quit in 2018 was like a little bit from the podcast, mostly from consulting work, a minuscule amount from the string company. Cause we were pretty much shoveling everything back into that. Uh, at that time, we still mostly are, but, um, it was a combination of like lots of little drips to come in and make the thing. Mm-hmm. But over time, you know, as more people began to listen to the show and the show grew and the people who, uh, wanted to sponsor the show, just, they kind of, I've, I really pushed and really struggled to try to get sponsors. It's a difficult thing to do. It's one of the harder things about doing this. It takes a lot of time. Yeah. That's for damn sure. It takes yeah. a lot of time. And what I found is I had to find people 
that loved the show already that happened to be in a position, you know, why are you going to sell, sell someone when, you know, someone that just loves it mm-hmm. just, the, for myself too, is what the only thing that works Yep. and things that I love is, is something very important, very important that I've kept for the podcast was like anything that's going on the podcast, anything that my fans are going to hear is something that I want to be there. So mm-hmm. absolutely. So that, that took, so that I'm, took not, a- I'm not, I'm not, no, no, no ball creams. Or- <laughs> well, you might be passionate about that. Um, <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Now that you mention it. Hey, it might be nice. I don't know. <laughs> My wife might like it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it just, that t- takes an enormous amount of work. And I've actually done a little bit of consulting even recently with some people who have podcasts and wanting to know how I did it. And I was like, listen, there's no way around it. You, this takes a lot of time. It takes time in market for lack of a better term like you just have to uh-huh. exist for a really long time before anybody will take you seriously it's uh-huh. it's kind of a unfortunate reality of of the internet everybody wants it now everybody wants it fast and for some people that does happen but there are the outliers it's just like music yeah we can't all be the spirit boxes yeah <laughs> that's a, that is unusual Albeit there, they they were in many previous projects that were successful. And sure, 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 sure. So, so, but they they did pop off real good mm-hmm. when they when they started. Absolutely. <laughs> what is the most surprising thing starting a podcast? The thing that that's you never expected to happen. Oh, the, that's a great one. Is becoming friends with musicians that I've grew up listening to or just absolutely loved. That's become that's been like one of the coolest things. I think the big moment for uh, my wife really getting behind it, she never was a detractor, but like really realizing, whoa, people actually do pay attention to this stuff was we found ourselves on, you know, the Gaslight Anthem tour bus on their 10 year reunion. And we're massive fans of Brian and Gaslight Anthem and all those guys. And, you know, we come away from that. She's like, wow, I think this is a real thing because we did a podcast on the bus. Isn't that funny? After this massive show at the House of Blues in Boston you know, and that was a light bulb moment for her. But it was also a light bulb moment for me where I was like, whoa, that just happened. Not because of any musical thing I've done, but because of me talking on the Internet incessantly for several years. <laughs> I think like the the massive weight of having multiple hundred episodes really helps us. I think so. <laughs> the, the, the credibility that that the stick to itism. Mm-hmm. The listeners keep me going a lot, too. Just one little message here or there can like completely oh, change yeah. your day. Like, well, I loved this episode. Oh, thank you. But it's like, whoa, because sometimes, you know, with podcasts, they can be a very passive experience. I know I enjoy podcasts in a much more passive way than other forms of media. Or if I see like a meme I like, I might share with my friend immediately or, you know, drop a comment or something with podcasts. It's just you're in it for so long. Typically, you you kind of lose yourself in it. it's like watching a movie. You don't necessarily go Absolutely. seek that director out and send them a message about how much you loved the movie, but you really loved the movie. And I think that can happen with podcasts as well, just because it's a more passive experience. Um, but when it does happen, it really does. I think I can speak for you on this. It really does elevate the day when you get a message from somebody saying they like what you do. It's awesome. It, it it's totally makes it worthwhile because the podcast is a labor of love. I'm a side hustle for for you know my full time job as an early childhood educator, cryptopsy touring cycles. So 
it's it's a something surprise is the connections with people it's amazing the fans the the thirsty thirsty gang that i've built uh, just just unbelievable connections with humans it's awesome mm-hmm. i i interviewed uh, andrew thorpe king he wrote a book called failure rules um where you celebrate the fact of failing yeah and uh, i had asked this question on another podcast and i forgot that i asked it so i'm gonna ask you this what what about podcasting or for yourself with the tone mob what is the biggest failure that that you've learned the most from oh man that's tough that's tough i think trying to so i actually explained this to another podcaster who unfortunately is no longer around on the internet that i can find in fact he deleted his feed but he asked me you know how i was able to make it work and what some mistakes I made were. And it's like getting outside of your bubble a little bit, you know, thinking that you're going to wake up tomorrow and have Casper mattresses knocking on your door, trying to sponsor you or better help or something like that. That's just mm-hmm. not really, I really thought that was possible because I felt like every podcast I was listening to was getting a sponsor of that nature. And that was like, they're probably just Scrooge McDucking through money, which obviously wasn't the case, but it felt like it at the time. And trying to get outside of my, expertise and niche like that was a mistake because it does nobody mm-hmm. cares you know i just thought oh i'll try to go to these places because they seem to be sponsoring podcasts they got money yeah. Yeah, yeah didn't and it didn't work it didn't work and it was depressing and it was dumb and you know trying to do things that you would find in internet marketing spaces that don't really apply to your own space like that was a thing that he he struggled with he was trying to do all these things you would hear on internet marketing type podcasts that just didn't really work in our space. And and he didn't seem to realize that they weren't going to work in our space. And I tried to say, hey, I've already tried these things. They don't really work in our space. So pay attention mm-hmm. to who your people are and what they respond to. That's a, you know, you don't have to completely curtail yourself if you have other interests. But, you know, if you're really trying to sell somebody licorice and all they want to hear about is fuzz pedals, it's not going to work. It's not going to work at all. <laughs> and it should be obvious, but so many people fall into that trap. Damn. Hey, what's up, Fox and Hopsins? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. We're both on Sound Talent Media. Talk to me about getting picked up by a network. Were you a part of Jabberjaw before that? Because I know Jabberjaw was acquired by Sound Talent. Uh, talk to me about being on a network and uh, how that experience has been for you. Um, I like it because I'm in a cool gang full of amazing podcasts, and I think it's cool. Uh, how was the experience for you? You know, it was a really weird experience, not one that I really intended on seeking out. I actually got on Jabberjaw first because I wanted to get on the Megaphone platform because I saw the mm-hmm. power that that platform had. 
And I realized like, oh, that's that's where podcasting is headed. That's where I need to be. How do I get there? And I've always paid attention to the podcasting industry. And I was always just like a little bit ahead of the curve, you know, with what was going on in that field. Maybe a little less so right now. But at the time, I, I definitely was. For people listening, Meg- Megaphone is like a hosting platform. It's where we upload our episodes. Yep. It, and they have, just have a lot of interesting functionality and capabilities that are starting to be more popular with other platforms, but did not exist anywhere else. Dynamically inserted ads being one of the main ones where you mark your episodes where you want an ad to go, and then you can replace that ad. Mm-hmm over years and years and you can drop ads in your full back catalog it's very useful in terms of ad buying very powerful because it then takes work that you've already done and makes it something that's now an asset instead of just something you can never utilize again because because we used to bake in ads in the past but then that ad just stays there forever and you can't sell that ad space again Mm -hmm. so megaphone's awesome yeah Yeah, sorry especially because like one of my early sponsors you know they don't exist anymore so they have all these ads that don't matter They're literally not doing anybody any good, but I can't do anything about it unless I want to go manually replace every single episode. So goddamn it. (laughs) Don't do it. (laughs) So David Lay, come on. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, not going to do that, but well, cause I'd have to re-edit them and all. Yeah, no, no, thank you. Anyway, those are just going to be what they are. So that was the draw. So I actually reached out to megaphone and I said, Hey, how can I, how can I get on here? I know I don't technically qualify, but you know, I'm- because they only take podcasts with massive, massive numbers, but because we're on a network, our numbers are accumulated. Exactly. And so the lady that happened to see that email named Ray, she was like, oh, well, yeah, you don't technically qualify, but you're a great fit for Jabberjaw. You do music. You got this amount Amazing. of downloads. Like you're perfect for this network. And so I got hooked up with them early on and, uh, was originally going to like help expand the network out a little bit in a more official capacity. And then that was sort of right before they merged with sound talent. And uh, so that's become a little less of a thing on my tray, which is totally fine, but it's been a really good experience for me overall. Uh, Everyone's been very cool and it has given me, you know, some it's lended, lended itself some credibility in this space. You know, when I'm reaching out to different bands and things, trying to get them on, they're like, Oh, I recognize this brand, you know, from behind the scenes. They with, book me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it really, <laughs> yeah. it's, that's been a big, big help. Yeah. Cause sound talent group started sound talent media mm-hmm. during the, the pandemic as a way to probably make some money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and sound talent group is a booking agency that books Lama God and a bunch of other huge metal acts. Exactly. So that is my story with it. And it's been massively helpful in, in that department for sure. And then, they kind of let me uh, do whatever I want. So, oh yeah, they're, they're completely hands off. I think that's very beneficial. But I would not want anyone's fingers in my pudding. That, so that was a that was a big. I went through that contract with a fine tooth comb and was like, yeah, I get to do whatever I want, right? Like I yeah, can do literally same. any. If I want to put up fart noises, I can put up <laughs> fart noises. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to do Be that episode, but I could do it if I felt like it. <laughs> I love it. Um, been talking a lot about mental health. You mentioned a bit earlier that one of your earlier guests, earliest guests opened up about his journey. Uh, what do you do when you're not feeling well? You're going to the gym afterwards. Hypothetically, that's a part of it. Uh, how do you tackle the demons and get out of the dark when you're not feeling well? That is a big way. That is probably the main way. And it didn't start out intentionally being that. I just was always interested in it. And I realized through the years and years of you know lifting, I just that was where I could go. And 
not entirely different than the podcast where I can sit down and focus and talk to somebody, but this is where I get to just be by myself and it's like, okay, well, you have to pick this up or it's going to crush you. And you don't really have time to think about anything else. You can't. You mm. literally can't think about anything else in that moment or you're going to hurt yourself or possibly die depending on what it is you're doing. It's a heavy weight. So, yeah. so you're, you're, you're into heavy weight lifting. I, I do like to lift heavy and uh, it's it's been massively helpful for my brain. I mean, the other day we had a, a, a trolley person really attacking our business in a a completely unfactual way, but they just were going to town and every single uh, guitar based Facebook group they could find just spreading complete nonsense. That wasn't true about the strings about the string company. Yeah. And oh my uh, God. Yeah. it was like, wow, People you really have so much time on. Their I was hands like, and... wow, you really have way too much time on your hands. And normally <laughs> I can scroll on by that stuff, but it was just these long diatribes of stuff that was completely untrue. And so I felt like I had to respond to a lot of it because Otherwise, the casual observer in these groups will see this and be like, oh, all I heard that they were, you know, scamming people, yeah, all this stuff. So I at least had to respond uh, to and they were so long. I had so many points to respond to it. It drained my energy completely for like a, a good couple of days. And I realized like, oh, I got to go to the gym. <laughs> and I went to the gym and all of a sudden that didn't that stuff didn't matter as much anymore. <laughs> It was it was uh, it's a big cobweb clearer for me. Uh, so that's a that's a big one. Also, just realizing that those things don't matter. I have to had to realize like it's hard. You know, our Never animal read the comments as an artist. <laughs> I try not to. We say it all the time, but we do. We do. We all do it. But <laughs> I've gotten a lot better at not taking them seriously. That was the first one that impacted me in a long time. Because you only remember the, the negative stuff. That's that's it's the human psyche. I've said on the podcast a bunch of times. It's just you read the positive, 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 negative. And the only one you're going to remember is the negative one. I've wondered about this and I'm not like I'm just some guy. This is just a theory that I've developed. I probably heard it from somebody else at one point. I just don't remember who. But thinking about, you know, when we're cave people or whatever, Mm. positive reinforcement was good, but it didn't mean that much at the time. Right. It was like, okay, if somebody says, Hey, Grog, your hair looks nice. It's like, cool. Thank you. You know, I, I'm still alive. I'm thank st- you. Yes. <laughs> but if somebody says there's a tiger over there, that's going to eat you. That's a negative yeah. thing, but you better pay attention to it. So I feel yeah. like we're hardwired to pay attention to things that could potentially harm potentially us. Hurt us. Yeah. But this day and age, everything's so scrambled and backwards. Like that guy's probably not going to hurt me. But I still can't help but focus on it. Well, f- fuck people that go against your business. Come on. And I, I mean, if it was valid, I under, understand. I but you know, it was completely unfounded. So and is what it is. I love collabs. Uh, perfect transition. I've made 60, 80 beers. I have 30, 40 coming out this year. So cool. Uh, this is a Polyphia collab with a Celestial. Um, you got string joy going. Why, why strings? What, what, what you, you, you mentioned that you, you interviewed the guy, hit it off and now you're a part of the company out of all the gear that you could have gotten involved in. Why strings? Why not pedals? If pedals were like your main thing, you know, I did do some pedal collabs. Um, and those were all great. I really enjoyed those processes. The last one I did was, uh, the slice of pie with big ear pedals. And that one was probably my most well viewed one. Uh, Grant and Karen, we made a, a fuzz pedal in a custom enclosure that looked like a piece of pizza because that's 
that's my thing. Yeah. It, I think that's cool. And it, what was that pedal that, sorry, not to cut you off. There's a pedal that you could put beer in. There was one of these things, right? Uh, that's the mini bar by Ranger effects. You can put whatever liquid you want in it and it will actually change the sound of it because it's, yeah. it's got two conductive points in it. So however there can, you know, whatever's conducting electricity between those two points will impact the sound, which is pretty fun. So, sorry yeah. to cut you off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we did a pizza one. Um, the the strings happened because of because of Scott. Scott was already into strings. He had already started the company, and I really believed in him. So that was that was the main thing. We just it was him. We hit it off so well. I've said this many times. It could have been toilet paper. It could have been anything. And if he's involved and he's steering the ship, I just have a lot of confidence in him as a person. And I think it's going to be successful because he's just that he's wired that way. It just happened to be strings, which happened to be, in my opinion, one of the most overlooked parts of the guitar, even though they're literally the part that makes the sound. So it's many you can't brand them, right? Maybe like on like any guitar has the, the logo on it, but the strings, you can't tell them apart from one company to another. A lot of guitars say strings are strings. And what they don't realize is there are like so many ways to make the same string. And mm. the way that they're constructed in the, the quarter cover ratios, the tightness of the wraps, all of these things have a massive impact on how it plays and feels at the end of the day. But most guitars completely take it for granted because they've only played one or two big brands and that's it. They never really experienced anything a little more specialized or a little bit more unique. Uh, and it's just very, very overlooked in the space at large. And that's something we're trying to change. I think that's super cool. Are you guys like partnering with bands? Are you sponsoring artists? Yeah, we've got uh, yeah, we've got a roster that we that of artists that we support. Um, we're talking to somebody you mentioned earlier on the podcast. So hopefully that closes uh, <laughs> closes soon. Oh, um, that would be very cool. Yeah, we we work with the <laughs> we work with a guy um, who is named Alex, and uh, he used to work at Orange Amps, and has a lot of okay. similar connections, probably to a lot of your friends too. He's now the guy running our artist program, super smart, Amazing. super cool dude. And he's helping us a lot with that stuff. And we're, we're definitely expanding outside of the guitar space soon. You know, we're working on some mandolin strings next and nice. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been a whole, whole weird situation, but yeah, we work with a lot of different artists and creators and, and things as well. And we try to get creative with it and have fun. It looks metal. I'm looking at your your shirt here. It looks metal. I like it. <laughs> that was that was our. We were like realized we're very like classically Nashville branded most of the time. And I'm like, hey, hey, I like metal. I want a metal shirt. Make us a metal shirt. And so it looks cool. Yeah, I like do, it. We do the short run of metal shirts. Where 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 can people grab these strings? Here, I'll give you a little. Oh, thank you. Stringjoy.com is the website. That's where we sell most of our stuff. But we also are down. We're actively expanding our dealer network. We have, I think around 400 stores now we'd like to be in all of them and uh, so you can if you have a local dealer you like have them hit us up we'd love to work with dealers and techs and luthiers and all that too uh we got into sweetwater last year so that was a very exciting experience so we're, we're trying to be everywhere but for now the easiest place is probably stringjoy.com unless you got a preferred local dealer love it uh one last question uh, classic Vox and Hops wrap-up question. It probably doesn't happen to you very often, but it might happen to you after you do your big heavy lifting today and you enjoy that massive uh, assemblage uh, <laughs> Anchorage <laughs> brew you got there. Mm -hmm. uh, what is your hangover cure? Mm. Yeah, it doesn't happen to me a whole lot, but I can't lie and say that it never has. And 
it's not it's not going to be surprising to anyone. It's going back to bed. Yes. <laughs> just, just go back. If you can go back to bed, yeah. it's going to be the best thing you can do. Uh, and short of that, a giant breakfast burrito. Yes. I don't know why that works, but it does. I don't think it actually does. I think it's just <laughs> so enjoyable that it distracts you from the pain momentarily. The <laughs> Amazing. Uh, Blake, thank you so, so much for hanging out with me. Everyone go check out the tone mob. It's, you know, on the web, uh, the podcast, um, YouTube, uh, social media, uh, Blake, this is great. I'm so happy that we connected massive cheers once again to celestial. Uh, this is really good. This black IPA with blood orange mm-hmm. massive cheers. I hope you have a great lifting session and uh, thank you for hanging out with me early Saturday morning. Thank you very much. This is a blast. Anytime. Cheers. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Man, this was an awesome conversation. I love hanging out with fellow podcasters. There is nothing like that in the world to connect with someone that sort of lives the same day-to-day grind. That goes into putting out consistent podcast episodes. Uh, Not many people understand the amount of work that goes on behind the scenes to get a podcast episode out. So I love hanging out with fellow podcasters. Blake's podcast, The Tone Mob, is far more than a podcast, but... I truly appreciate him taking the time to sit down with me because he's truly built an empire around his quest for the perfect tone. I think it's just so damn cool what he's built. I think it's extremely inspiring. He's monetized it. He's doing well. He's uh, evolved into the string world with his company String Joy. I'm, I'm very excited about that. Massive, massive thanks to Blake for hanging out with me. And all of you Vox and Hops heads should most definitely go check out the Tone Mob, the website, the YouTube page, the podcast. Uh, Blake's got it all going on and it's all freaking awesome. Now, if you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week that contains all of the details of everything that has happened recently in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. You will get to see which episodes I dropped recently. You will get to see which episodes I have coming up. You will get to hear about any projects I have in the works before I announce them to the public. And you will also get to see which albums the Vox and Hops album review crew have reviewed recently and which albums Jerry Monk, Vox and Hops' metal architect himself, has added to the Brutal Awakenings playlist. I don't know how he does it, but Jerry always finds the best new music, puts it on the Brutal Awakenings playlist for all of us to enjoy. Now, there's always a lot of things going on in the world of the Vox and Hops little podcast, and I hate when you miss a single thing, so please do me a favor and sign up to the mailing list. The Vox and Hops little podcast is brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcasts. I hope you have a killer rest of the week. I We'll be back next week with yet again one episode on Tuesday with Colin Cadell of Monsters Around Us. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops hits. Hey, you. Did you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2 020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.